This is Gary Barnett, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arsenal, you're brilliant, and we can't win without Polina, etc., etc. We know. Get over it. Grow up. Pathetic. What a crap performance. Whilst Arsenal are a purring football team, well worthy of top of the pile, we, however, look muddled, soft in the middle once more, and defensively rubbish. Arguably the worst we've played this season, that half? Surely? Have we been figured out, or is it just an injury-slash-suspension blip? I'll have to ask Danny Smith and Sam Diamond once again to find out with lots of other pressing issues such as this week's gossip and a look to our FA Cup quarter-final against Manchester United this Sunday at Old Trafford. Three wins away from our first piece of silverware in the club's history. Insert boring into Toto joke here. Today is the dream, we can do it. If <laughs> I'm Jay Mag, and this is your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Right, guys. Um, so, our heaviest defeat since... Newcastle at home. I think it's actually the first time we've won three a three nil defeat this season. Um, I thought this was quite a an awful watch. The first half was absolutely horrendous, and um, I thought the fans were lackluster and not particularly supportive. Quite a bad atmosphere, but that's just the performance you get, I suppose. But it was it was nice to see Mick Jagger and uh, Brian Cox in the stand at, uh, at, on the cottage itself. Um, I'll go to you this. For, I'll go to you first this time, Danny. Uh, what are your opening thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, obviously disappointed. Um, I think we, we we know that for for a few weeks now we've not been uh, as good as we were, um, and that injuries and suspensions are catching up with the squad. Uh, but even still, you expect uh, a team as good as ours and 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 as well coached as ours is to to put in a better performance than that. I know Arsenal are a very good team. Yeah, but that's two games in a row where I think we've started extremely slow, and almost let the game get away mm. from us before we've even warmed up. Um, so yeah, I mean there is cause for concern. I don't think we should go overboard because when you list the, the names that are out at the moment, yeah, it is it is not a, a true reflection of our team. But I just think it, this game just highlighted how thin the squad is. Uh, once you get to this sort of stage of the season. So hopefully we bounce back next week. And to me, I mean, the, the Man United game was almost more important to me. So, yeah, if we're going to get our bad form out of the way, I'd rather yeah. us do it against Arsenal. Uh, but, yeah, it's just just one of them days. It's one of them weeks. I think we, we've we been very lucky this season. And I think we just, we just got to stick with the team. Yeah, I mean... Sam, Danny mentioned there people sort of overreacting slightly. I, I've, I think uh, a few people have said online, you know, we fluked this season so far, and it's a luck. It's lucky that we're eighth. Um, I think that everyone's had a bit too much knee-jerk reaction to that. Um, but I mean, it's fair to say Arsenal are just brilliant, and you know, Brentford were on a terrific run of form. So I just want from your opening thoughts and this just to sort of gauge where you think we're at here. Well, I don't think there's too much to add in terms of the game itself. It was a, it was a really grim afternoon um so bad so yeah bad. we were really hoping for some kind of reaction as well after the Brentford game um and well I guess we got a reaction it was just a reaction that was really meek and and feeble and indicative of a group that have suddenly lost all confidence as a 
both an attacking and a defensive unit. Uh, but yeah. you're right. I, I think we need to be careful not to not to overreact in in the wake of this week. Um, there are various sort of mitigating factors, and what might just be happening is we may just be kind of falling into our our, our sort of natural position in this season's Premier League, uh, which is still far beyond where any of us thought we were going to be at the start of the season. Um, we're not where we are by any kind of fluke. Um, we're, we're there thoroughly on merit given the season that we've had. Uh, and it, the reason why sort of teams like Chelsea and Aston Villa and Crystal Palace and Wolves, teams that have been sort of in the Premier League now for a sort of a considerable amount of time uh, behind us in the table is because, you know, we, we've been consistent throughout the season and they haven't been. So, yeah, there, there's no worries there. It's uh, a bad week, but a very, very good season. Yeah, I just want to add on to what, what Sam said there about um, us finding our, our true reflection of where, where we sit in the table now. And, and, and I totally agree with that. And, you can't really realistically aim for higher than where we are if you can't beat the big teams. And and the pattern of our season has been that we, even though we've we've held on till the very end and then they've nicked late goals and we've been unlucky against the Man Cities and the Man Uniteds, the fact remains that we haven't beaten any of the top teams, but we pretty much beat everyone behind us. So... Let's not go too far here. Like I just think we're not quite as strong as the big teams, which we shouldn't be because we're newly promoted. But we've mm. done incredibly well to form a, a starting eleven that is more than adequate to compete with the rest of the division. Um, and I think on paper, our best eleven is probably better than every team in the bottom half at the moment. But arguably, they've got more depth. But they would because they've had more windows and more seasons to establish themselves. So this summer, I think, will be key for us to grow and build on what we've done. But, I I mean, we've done enough to stay up. So as far as I'm concerned, job done. And we should just enjoy the rest of the season for what it is and just finish as high as we possibly can. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we'll come to actually maybe things we can look at in the summer a bit later on. I I just want to go straight to you, Sam, with this question. did you think we offered Arsenal a bit too much respect in this game? Because as Danny just said, we we are fortunate enough to have a very strong first team eleven. Uh, we don't have one at the moment because of suspension and injuries for this game. And I just thought, judging by the way we were playing, judging by how we were just playing from the back, maybe a little bit too much of my liking. I thought Tim Ream at times was taking liberties. Robinson will definitely come on to in a bit. I just thought we could have maybe handled this game a bit more cautiously against a worse a Liverpool side on the first day the game of the season. Um, and I also just thought that we, you know, it just, I don't know, we just seem to have a bit too much of top six fear when we face the bigger clubs. It's just maybe a mentality issue. I'm not too sure. But yeah, I don't know if it's easy to say in hindsight, maybe we could have gone, you know, with a, a, free, a 3-4-3 formation, just something, because with the... I'm not going to say pivot, everyone hates that. But with the midfield pairing of um, Lukic and... Uh, sorry, Lukic and Reed, it just 
it has it wasn't working the last game. Not enough physical presence. You, you could argue that maybe three centre backs behind them would have been a better option for a game like this because you know look at Arsenal. They're absolutely one of the best teams I've seen at the cottage in years. Possibly, and to be honest, I thought that's where we were heading because when Tosin uh, posted on social media of a kind of a that tease of you know kick off at two pm. Um, it it suggested that he was yeah. playing, and I think a lot of people thought, "Oh, so are we going going free at the back?" Um, it would have seemed perhaps less surprising than him replacing Deal, but obviously it's something that's been done before. Uh, did we did we give them too much respect? No, I, I think we probably didn't give them enough. I don't think we gave them the fact that they are the Premier League leaders. Um, we didn't respect that. They're an excellent side, having an even better mm. season, and. We just we just let them play. Um, yeah, we should have been flying into them really from the off and just letting them know that they were going to be in for a, a tough afternoon. I think it was kind of summed up that Tim Ream took a really heavy touch in sort of the, the side the first thirty seconds, and it seemed to set the pattern for the game. And um, I mean, it was just easy. It was easy for them, um, and that was the most disheartening. It was very um, reminiscent of the kind of performance that we put in. In our previous two Premier League campaigns, um, and I suppose we can take heart from the fact that when those do come around this time, it's it's a shock rather than the norm. But um, yeah, so we, we we had the reprieve of the the disallowed goal, and you would have thought that would have been the cue to suddenly wake up and you know start putting it up a foot. It did, yeah. For all of us, no, it got worse, especially for Robinson. <laughs> yeah. You see, I mean, I don't, I don't think the team has got a lack of confidence form-wise, but I, I would imagine there's a lack of confidence in the teammates around them at the moment. So they look at what's around them and, and they don't have the same reassurance that they... For example, when Rodek played in the Cup, I think there was a little bit of, of nerves from the centre-backs that they wouldn't have when Leno's in goal because they know what Leno's going to do. He's going to come out and, and be a sweeper-keeper. Um, they have that confidence in him behind them. Uh, it's likewise with Polina in front and, and I think that is a massive problem he protects them so much relieves so much pressure from them because he, he intercepts so many through balls um, that they don't have to do half as much as they do when he's not there um, it's also we don't get as much territory when Polina is not on the pitch because the ball, the ball doesn't stay up front it's forever getting in behind us uh, and it was just it was relentless again it was attack after attack and that midfield without him is just a giant hole. Um, and it's not really a criticism of, of Reed or Lukic. They're just... I think they're the kind of players that, once you've been in the Premier League for, for two or three years, I think they're, they're your... If I refer to the Europa League team, they're your Stephen Kellys, your Jonathan Greenings, you know, your Chris Smalling, who, 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 who dips in it here and there. But you have your, your regulars that you rely on and you depend upon. And it's just, it's not them. So without the Polina, it was always gonna be a struggle, I think. And I just don't think there's much of a, a tactical balance with, with Lukic and Reed together. I just don't think it works. Um, and that, that doesn't necessarily mean either of them are bad. It just, some players work together and some players don't. Uh, and it, to me, it's not a very good partnership. I'm enjoying the fact that I reckon that must be the first time that Stephen Kelly's ever been pluralised uh, in, in general football chat. 
just thinking back to just J-Mac referencing those results against the teams in the top six and particularly facing the league leaders, I saw one statistic that was quite alarming. Uh, it was the, the last 10 times we've played the team that are top of the Premier League. We've lost all 10 matches. We've conceded 22 goals in those 10 matches and scored just three. So there does seem to be an element of... I don't you sort of see other teams picking up these results against the top six all the time. I've always been quite annoyed by the fact that Brentford first season went on one at Chelsea, obviously hammered Manchester United this season. Um, even QPR, the odd season they were up, they were picking up wins against the teams in the top six. And it just seems that we, we, we don't seem to be doing that like in the last few campaigns we've had at the top level. Um, so I do wonder if there's something in that. Yeah, I, I'm going to what Danny said with the relationship between Reed and Lukic. Um, I, I think Lukic is an interesting player. I think it really highlighted once again in this game, but sort of sealed the deal. He isn't really a number six um, at all. Um, I've look, really looked forward to the idea of him playing next to Palinia as a, as an attacking sort of box to box number eight, or even potentially as a rotator for Pereira because he can play in that position as well. But we, we've talked about you know the Palinia issue to death, and now we were really. It was a big problem for us. I mean, another big problem for us, though, again, was just the attacking intent. Now, Willian was out injured uh, with some back issues. Hopefully, he's back for Manchester United. That was a, an issue. But I looked at Pereira's heat map on SofaScore, and, and he is just not like... I thought Mitrovic had a much better game this game. You know, or, you know, hit the crossbar. I mean, he really deserved that. Watching Mitrovic actually is really quite sad work because you actually feel really sorry for how marked he is out the time, all the time out the game, how deep he has to play. And then just him hitting the crossbar and not getting that goal, which could have really started him off again, would have been really lovely to see. But yeah, just the, the heat map between Pereira is really far, really far behind the halfway line. And Mitrovic is up right up top. It just, it, it's, there, there's just not, there's a connection problem there. And obviously, Obviously, we don't have Willian playing, and, and Solomon. Solomon to me just still isn't that sort of player who comes on, who starts maybe just yet. I, I, it's it's a really tricky one. I think what we can say is that we really need a new starting right winger in the summer, wouldn't you say, Danny? Yeah, I think we. Well, I mean the Pereira issue. You, you touched on Pereira there. I mean that to me that's the the deal breaker in the rest of our season. He needs to find his form back and. And find some energy from somewhere because he was was vital to our attack. I mean, there's no point in Mitrovic coming deep to link up the play and drag centre backs out of position if there's no one running in behind him. You know, and and that's the problem we've got at the moment. Um, I even think there's a bit of an imbalance with with Solomon starting. He doesn't seem to have the same impact that he would when uh, games are a bit more stretched and, and teams are more tired. Um, so I think there's a lot of, of issues in our attack at the moment. Um, it has gone a bit stale, um, but I think I think it is a case of we've relied on the same players every week for the whole season because the squad isn't the biggest, um, and we've done phenomenally well to to be in the position we're in. So uh, it's very hard to criticise Silva or the players. I think they. They run their socks off most weeks, and yeah, I mean these get these. When we was in the Premier League the last couple of times, we would have these podcast reactions and these performances every week, but we have been spoiled this year. So it, in a way, it hurts even more because you're not used to it anymore, and you expect so much more. 
So I just think it was a bad day at the office um, and maybe the season will fizzle out because we, we don't just don't have the, the depth in the squad. But I just don't think the, the, the squad players have maybe been used enough or maybe they're just not good enough. You know, the likes of Harry Wilson, they've just not they've just not been able to help or step up to the challenge of the Premier League. And that has made the, the, the work and, and the pressure on those key players even more. Um, and I mean, but it's not the first time. If we go back to like the, the mid-2000s when, when Coleman was um, losing the likes of Sahara and stuff, if we hadn't had Barmore and Steed, we would have gone down. You know, we, we were heavily reliant on one and two players. So it's no it's not alien for a, a you know, a, a team of our size to to rely on key players. I, I think every team did. If you take Anderson and Zahar out of Palace's team, you know, good luck to them. If you take Madison out of Leicester, good luck to them. You know, it's not it's not just us. And I think we need to remember that. Yeah, good points. I don't think uh, Chris Coleman's team would have ever gone down with Simon Elliott still knocking around, but that's probably a, a conversation for another day. Touching on Manor Solomon, what I, I've noticed really in, in his few appearances so far is he seems to be one of those forwards who he's more of a finisher than a creator. I don't think he's the kind of person to who's going to get you a ton of assists and be constantly putting chances on plates but I think he, he as we've seen he's gonna pull out like some absolutely superb goals out of nowhere and he's gonna win us points that way um I, I started to wonder how much are we missing Niskin Scabano I didn't think he would be a big miss when he was injured but I think he was he was pivotal to a lot of our sort of early attacking success this season um yeah and I was just starting to feel that maybe it is his absence um, having a much bigger impact than we we first suspected. Yeah, good old Neeskins. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. I mean, he was he was a perfect sort of squad player at the start of the season, and that's sort of we want Harry Wilson to sort of become. I mean, I, I think there's some talk. At, well, first, let's just talk about actually the the the, the, the praises and the dismays in this in this game before we move on to the second half and etc. Like, I think it's fair to say that Robinson had an absolute stinker. I mean, they all had stinkers, but I'm just really pinpointing certain people here. So I think it's fair to say that Robinson. It's arguably at fault for the the two two of the goals uh, for Arsenal. I think it's fair to say Bobby Reed was just completely one of the worst performances I've seen from him, unfortunately. And it's one of those things where Harry Wilson being brought on, it's just it's not really going to work for the long term if if his performances keep carrying on like this. I can understand that there's an argument to be made that maybe in a couple of, if with another season in the Premier League he can start to be molded into a squad player, Premier League squad player. But it, at the moment it just isn't working. And even Dan James, I was really happy to see come on, but just the substitutions actually, I'd like to talk to you about Danny. There were substitutions that we made that we only made two compared to their five Arteta made and I, I couldn't really work out if decided had if Marco had decided that the, the game was over I mean it feel like felt like the game was over I mean it was pretty much over after the first half but I just mean in terms of how much he was actually saving all the players for the FA Cup now because you'd think he would have made more changes <laughs> than just the two if he was going to do that yeah, well, there was two questions in one there. First one was about um, Robinson's performance, and the second one was about um, the, the subs. We'll go with the subs first. 
Yeah, go. Um, I would have been quite happy for him to take off Mitrovic and Pereira at half time and just write the game off and, and say we're going to go focus on the cup. Um, obviously, he didn't do that. And, and who am I to question what Silva does? Second half was a, a much better performance, but I think it's also important to remember that Arsenal, the game was done. So they they um, just managed the game, didn't didn't really chase it anymore. Yeah, um, training exercise almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. I mean, why would you waste more energy when they've got the other, you know, Europe to focus on and stuff like that? So it was easy for us to, to get better because we couldn't get any worse. Um, it's a weird one that he didn't make more changes, but that bench was quite frightening. Uh, I, I can't name the players that were on it, but it's off the top of my head. But it was certainly significantly weaker than the most benches we've we've ever fielded in the Premier League, and I just think it highlighted how unlucky we've been with injuries, but also how thin the squad is in certain positions. Um, Maybe you should have given Vinicius and and Dan James and Harry Wilson more game time. I I don't know why he doesn't doesn't play uh, Dan James more. I don't know. I don't know what the reason for that is. Like last time I said it was tactical, but that you know the game's done. I I would have made five changes probably and and taken a six nil loss. And but again, who am I to to question Silva? You know, it's, it's just one of those things. As for the the Robinsons uh, performance, yeah, go on. I mean, certain players I think are scapegoated, and last year, or in the last year, his improvement has been incredible. I always knew Tete was an exceptional defender. I think we could see that last time we was up, but there was always question marks about Robinson, and he has really, really stepped up and improved, and he's been phenomenal this season. Now he wasn't good against Arsenal, but equally. Kenny Tete wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, it was actually Tete that was very exposed and they were getting in behind him a lot, which is out of character because it never happens. Um, and that's where the, the first disallowed goal comes from. Comes from Kenny Tete being nowhere, completely out of position uh, and, and the deflection, un, you know, unlucky off of Robinson. But, it, you know, it, uh, to me... He wasn't good, but none of the defenders were good. And the second goal summed up the whole performance. It was just, it was very weak, very soft, too easy. Um, and I'm not going to say pathetic because I think they, the players deserve more than that because they've been great this year. But if you were seeing that performance every week, you would say it was pathetic. So yeah, I'm going to defend him though because I don't think it was just him. Uh, I think the defending for the first corner was atrocious. And you can't pinpoint that on one person. It's just, as a collective, I thought it was, it was, I mean, weak. Yeah. Just weak. It looked like a zonal you know, marking got, nightmare, didn't it? it <laughs> yeah. You've got to make it harder than that. It was clever from Arsenal, but if we're going to start complaining about players nudging player, other, the opponent in the box and blocking players, then we write off half of Mitrovic's goals last season. You know, because to me, it's clever. It's not. It's bending the rules rather than breaking them. Uh, and I think, as a defensive unit, you have to be stronger than that. And that summarised the whole game. We were just second part. Uh, we were second best all over the pitch in every single fifty-fifty battle. 
and we were just weak defensively. Too easy to play against. Well, that pretty much covers up everything about the first half, really. Unless, Sam, you have anything you'd like to add about it. Well, I thought I'd just say that the if, if you look at the, the statistics from the first half, they actually like paint quite an even picture um, in terms of possession, 46-54, passes, 243-282, accuracy, 76%, 74%. All the numbers are really really quite close apart from two significant ones and that's shots on target which Arsenal had five and we had zero and I think most alarming was touches in the opposition penalty area Arsenal had 17 and we had zero uh, and I think wow. within within five minutes of the second half we'd already had five so I, I said in the aftermath of the Brentford game just in, in regards to Alexander Mitrovic if you get him the ball in the box he'll score goals but it really, as a team, if we're not getting the ball in the penalty area, we're not going to score. We're not going to. We're not going to trouble the opposition. Um, so yeah. I think just those numbers seem to highlight the issues that we're having in terms of creating at the moment. Um, yeah, and just just getting forward because, like I say, the numbers show that we were getting into Arsenal's defensive third as often as they were getting into ours. We just weren't doing anything once we were there. Would you say that Marcus Silva has been found out a little bit then, Sam? I mean, we talked about no Polina and all that excuse. I mean, but watching the football at times felt almost a bit, hate to say it, a bit Scott Parker-esque, uh, sideways, sideways, trying to walk it in almost. It did have that feel at times. I don't think it's necessarily a case of Marco's been found out. I, I guess his Fulham team this season has possibly been, yeah, been, been looked at and teams have realised well this is the way to kind of deal with their threat um, but Marco seems to be a coach that's able to to evolve his ideas um, I think we've seen that a number of times during his time at the club already so and he doesn't really have I'm, options off the bench to change things as no that's it because, it's Danny I mean, yeah we're, we're looking, sort of, at, looking at that subs bench the other day um, I mean what, uh, what are five kids on the bench in terms of Francois, yeah, two, two uh, goalkeepers Harris, again. The two goalkeepers again. Um, young Charlie Robinson. So it's the reason I don't think we made the subs because you're not going to sort of throw these these young kids into a game that we're getting absolutely steamrolled in because that's going to do nothing for their development or confidence. Uh, and I think probably he saw the second half as an opportunity. Okay, we're not going to salvage anything from this game, but that's least build some kind of morale for, for the challenges ahead yeah and you just know you're completely screwed when you're taking three assister Trossard off and bring on Gabriel Jesus I mean fucking hell it's just absolutely insane absolutely insane um, Danny do you, do you have any uh, um, other thoughts you'd like to add on the second half and just the contrast and if we actually did a good sort of we held our heads a bit high with not conceding and just you know coming together <laughs> I mean they did have a few shots and we had a few shots we definitely played better but yeah a much more respectable second half but I mean in a way I think it shows how much the players respect and listen to Marco Silva yeah that they went in at half time uh, and immediately you see a reaction and you see a much better performance um it shouldn't need the manager to do that you should have leaders on the pitch that can keep keep that going 
Uh, I would say that's that's one area, uh, another area that we miss when Pelini is not on the pitch. Yeah, you know, I think he demands a lot from his teammates, and he leads by example. And when he's not there, um, I do think there is a lack of leadership. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a better performance, and, and like Sam says, I think as when you're in the manager's shoes, it's a bit different to me as a supporter being selfish and saying take them all off, let's write it off and, and focus on the Man United game. The bigger picture, he's with these players day in, day out and maybe it done them the world of good to, to have a better performance in that second half, a bit of professional pride, so, and a bit of a bit of momentum going into training this week. Something, you know, to focus on the positives. Um, if we had taken them off and ended up losing 7-0, like he said, wouldn't have done the youngsters development any good and it wouldn't have done the confidence of the team any good because um, that still would have been the score that was reflected across the whole team so yeah I mean we drew the second half you know um, right. and I suppose that's probably what we take from, from the game yeah yeah I think it's interesting looking at um, how good a team Arsenal are, and it really puts things into perspective of actually how well we've done this season. I, I look, <laughs> I know we lost three 0 to them, but the second half we were a lot better. And it, it's there's no shame in losing to Arsenal three 0 especially with the excuses we have of suspensions and injuries. So I, I'm I'm also finding it quite interesting to see where we are in terms of where we might need to push on in the summer um, playing a team like Arsenal I think it's quite clear now we need a right winger at some point uh, another centre back and you know another attacking midfielder to rotate with Pereira and those are all things that we could talk about close to the time but yeah I, I think I think we can move on now lads so let's uh, after this we'll talk about the bigger picture that Danny talked about we will be discussing Manchester United quarterfinals let's do it Fulham so, FA Cup, I'm going to this and I'm really, really, really excited. I'm going to be driving up and um, I booked a, a Premier Inn. And I think it's my, yeah, it's my second time at Old Trafford. So, Sam, your opening thoughts on this game, mate. I mean, we have very good news come in, obviously, that no Casemiro is playing. And that could be massive, particularly with Polina back. Yeah, that's a big help. Um, it was probably... Uh... The highlight of the Fulham game on uh, Sunday was hearing that he'd been sent off again. Yeah, um, yeah I guess we'll take anything at the moment. Uh, obviously, they've still got a lot of very, very good players. But I think to lose a player who's been... I mean, he's essentially been their Paulinha in terms of... He's completely re-energised their season from where it started. So that is a big plus. We'll obviously have our main man back in midfield so I wouldn't say it swings it in our favour but it certainly gives us a lot of uh, a lot more reasons to be optimistic that we can get a result here how how much could it swing it in our favour Danny I mean when was the last time we won at Old Trafford I forget do you know oh 2003 got to be yeah I was there for 3-1 3-1 brilliant result brilliant day that was um, um, but this is Danny. Just back to you, mate. About um, just your thoughts on this game, mate, and Old Trafford, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, obviously, Casemiro since he's come in has been as important to them as Pelini has been to us. So, I suppose you'd like to think them without him is going to be as damaging to them as as we've seen with Pelini missing. 
Um, obviously, they're Man United, so they're going to have more of a threat than that. And we're going to have to really up our game to compete with them, especially away from home. So regardless of that, it's not a free hit. We still have to go there and, and be at our very best. Um, but I just want to ask you a couple of questions quickly of scores for this season. Just want to pick your brains. Just for a bit of perspective, um, what was the score when Bournemouth went to Liverpool earlier in the season? Parker's last game. Do you remember what the score was? 9-0. Okay. And what was the score when um, Man United went to Anfield a couple of weeks ago? 7-0. So I think that puts into perspective the Arsenal result as well. That I don't think we should be too hard on, on our team. Um, we were playing the best team in the division at the moment on paper. You know, they're top of the league. And, you know... Man United played and, and sort of inconsistent Liverpool and lost 7-0. So there you go. I, I think that puts into perspective. That All that's done is made me worry about the fact that we've still got to go to Anfield. Yeah, you've just, oh, well, you're going to feel really silly, Danny, when we lose 10-0 this weekend and then 12-0. Right. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think that happened around the time I was born, to be honest, losing 10-0 Anfield. Sam will probably remember. It was oh. about... 45 then. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, no. Anyway, um, yeah, we won't worry about Anfield yet. We'll worry about Old Trafford. And this is a cup game. So I think league form goes out the window. Um, it goes to extra time and penalties as well. So yeah. it's really a case of just don't lose. And then, I, I mean, I think we'd all take the lottery of penalties because on paper it is a... We we were really unlucky to get the draw we got, um, but why can't we go there and win? You know, I I, I would love, uh, you know, a, a repeat of what we did at Brighton if we have to, you know, just cling on, cling on, and 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 get one shot on target and win. I don't care how we do it, just keep yourself in the game for as long as you possibly can, and who knows what can happen and. You know, I, I think we're more than capable of doing it. And we've shown that time and time again this season. And, and, and I know we said that our record against the top teams isn't good. But when you reflect on the performances against those teams, we only just lost to Tottenham at home. We only just lost to Man United in the last second. We were more than good enough for a draw in that game. We only just lost to Man City away. So it's only that Arsenal game. When we played at the Emirates... We were very unlucky not to win, let alone lose. So, you know, we are more than capable of competing with these teams. And we need to... Hopefully the team remember that when they got up there. I'm sure Silva will drum that into them to believe in themselves. But I'm optimistic. Uh, I, I, I've still... I've, I've been adamant ever since the World Cup that this was going to be our year you know us and Brighton we're in a perfect position to take the Cup seriously and it feels like this is this is our year and I'm not going to change that until we're out I think Danny's hit the nail on the head there when he says stay in it stay in this tie as long as possible um, pointed out earlier in the show that we started slowly in the, in the well mentioned the last couple of games but it's probably been beyond that I'm thinking Leeds Wolves and Brighton so if we do that again let's make sure we don't concede because if we concede there we can we could feasibly be out within the first 20 minutes and that would be you know that'd be a real disappointment so if we have to go there and just been like 
stoically defending. Let's do that. Let's get to half time at nil nil. Let's get to seventy minutes, and then just see what happens. If we have to take it to extra time, just yeah, scrap our way through. Let's let's. If we have to go to penalties, let's do it that way. But we should really go and just give everything for this game because because this could end up being the season that we win a trophy. Well, it does feel quite big. I mean, obviously it is big. It's the quarterfinals and it's fucking Old Trafford. That's an obvious thing to say. It is big. But it, it, this feels very much like a Wembley game to me. It feels the same sort of vibe as when we faced Villa and in the playoff final. I, I, I get that sort of vibe and that sort of pressure. And I, I, I think we are really going to turn up for this one in terms of, you know, I think Willian hopefully will be back. I'm trying to think of other, obviously we know Paulinho's back. Just just to get a late winner, the way Garnacho stuffed us at, you know, at our, at our house. That, that, was, that was so irritating. But if we can manage to do that same courtesy back to them at theirs, it would be amazing. And, and funnily enough, Garnacho might be injured. We don't know yeah, um, he was wearing the sort of the Beckham boot after his game um, on the weekend, so we don't know if he's going to be playing or not. But to have him potentially no Garnacho and no Casemiro, then yeah, I mean, and obviously you've got Rashford, but there, there are, and obviously other players like Bruno. But we could definitely get stuck in there and definitely do some mischief. Well, Bruno Fernandez has been looking more frustrated than Alexander Mitrovic in recent yeah. weeks, and I think it's just worth remembering as well. Old Trafford is not the the intimidating venue it once was. We've seen a lot of teams go there in the last five or six seasons and win. Uh, so, yeah, they've, they've kind of looked... They or Eric Ten Hag and Casemiro have helped them look a much better uh, side this season. But they're obviously still able to be beaten. And I think both Sunday's result, goalless draw with Southampton, albeit playing with 10 men for a lot of it, and the humiliating 7-0 defeat at Liverpool shows that you know they're not again they're not sort of the Manchester United of of sort of seasons past they can be beaten and we can beat them we can do you go think there and beat we, them if we win this game let's say we do win let's dream a little for a few seconds Dad. if we win this do you think we could win the actual whole thing now everyone's going to laugh what I've just said there because I've just got this funny feeling that Burnley are going to beat Man City I don't know why I've just got this feeling because Man City I think have been really not that good <laughs> this season and a lot of people have noticed that as well so I just I just want your thoughts because you, you love the cup and you love talking about the positivity and the idea of winning it and just I, I could see it potentially being a bright and full and final if we win this game potentially I don't know why I just I can I think if anyone gets to the quarter final if you, even if you're Grimsby I think you've, you've got to believe you can go and win it I mean why enter the cup in the first place you've got this far so I think, I think, of course, we should believe we can do it if we if we get past Man United. For me, the problem is Man City. Um, and that that's the niggling thing in the back of my head. Is like of all of all the big teams that are uh, that are out um, or still in it, they are the ones that you probably wanted to go out. They're the ones that will turn up with their reserves and beat you anyway. I think Man United are beatable. I think Arsenal are beatable on the day because they're going to have one eye on the Premier League they've not won it for so long but Man City fight on all fronts uh, and I think have a very good record at, at this latter stage of the domestic competitions um, and yeah I, 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 I love your optimism I think that's a big argument for Burnley I think that's a big that's a, that's a tougher game than us going to Man United yeah. 
I can hear people groaning when I said that, and I'm I'm just I, it's just one of those sort of I, I live I, I live sort of uh, bet three six five in my head at the yeah. moment. All the odds in that quite I could just see it happening. I, mean, I could just see someone winning I a think, lot of money. I think that, looking at the bigger probably, picture, if we we're the last game to go through, and I don't know everyone will be jumping up and down, getting so excited if Grimsby beat Brighton. But actually, in a, in, a, in a roundabout way, I think it's better Brighton just get the job done and then hope we hope they draw Man City in the semi-finals because I think they could beat Man City. But we've got a more realistic chance yeah. of beating Brighton in a final than we have Man City, I think. So, I, th- I know everyone was disappointed when the draw was made and we got Manchester United away. But, I mean, to, to win a competition, to win a trophy, you do at some point have to to play and beat the biggest sides in it. And exactly. so that's Manchester United in this round. And I think if we we are to do the unthinkable and, and and win it, we have to avoid Manchester City. We can't basically we can't play Manchester City in the final. I think if that's the case we you know, we'll end up on the same kind of hiding that Watford did a few years ago. But I think in the semi final, if they've got eyes on the Premier League and the Champions League still um, then there is an opportunity. We saw Southampton um, knocked them out in the in the League Cup in sort of similar circumstances this season. So that that could happen. Uh, or similarly, Brighton or Burnley take them out at some point. Uh, Sam's absolutely right, though. You have to beat somebody at some point. Um, you you can't ride your luck and expect to to play all the little teams all the way to the final and in the final. At some point, you've got to beat some, someone that's going to be one of the favourites. And if you look at the two of the shock teams to win it over the last couple of decades, Portsmouth, when they won it, won at Old Trafford en route to the final. Got a bit. I think they got a bit lucky with who they drew in the final. It might have been like a championship team or or someone like that. Cardiff, they played in the final. I think the last four, um, the semi-finals was a couple of Premier League teams and a couple of championship teams. It was none of the big ones. But they went to Old Trafford in one of the earlier rounds and, and won. So they that was their big scalp. Um, when Wigan won it in the final, they beat Manchester City. So even the teams that you think, bloody hell, how did they win it? But they had to beat somebody. So maybe this is our, our moment. The only shame with me for the draw is not that we didn't avoid a big club. It's that we're probably going to have to beat two now when it would have been more realistic and easier if we had only had to beat one of them at some point. So let's hope Man City go out and, and we can do the job. And, and that would be... So, I mean, yeah, imagine how incredibly exciting that would be for the four clubs left if it if it ended up being Burnley, Fulham, uh, Brighton, and then one of Sheffield United or Blackburn. I mean, even the championship clubs would, would really fancy their chances. See, I've got you actually believing Burnley are going to beat Man City. Everyone's going to be so angry. <laughs> but then you do. This is Fulham, and you'd get fans that would go, "Yeah, but our record against Burnley. I don't want to get Burnley." But you know what I mean? So we experienced that in the WhatsApp yeah, chat. Yeah, so true. You know, I'm sorry, neutral venue, we smash them as long as we're not having to play at Turf Moor. Oh, well, I mean, I'd much rather have played at Turf Moor than Old Trafford. That's for sure. But you know, anyway. What will be, will be. I just hope that we turn up on the day. And then if we lose, I hope we go out, you know, um, in style, if you know what I mean. Like, I hope we don't I hope we don't just bow out like we did in the Brentford and Arsenal games, you know. And I wonder 
Yeah, I wonder what that style particularly looks like then. I mean, the team sort of picks itself, really. You have Leno, you'd have Diop and Reem, you'd have Robinson and Tete as the fullbacks, Reed and Palinia back in the middle. You'd have, I think, Willian would probably start this game if his back's recovered and you've got Mitchell up front. The question no. is actually the right wing situation. No. If you put Solomon Bobby there and, or, or with Willian, Bobby Willian on the... Yeah, go what back, would you do, back to You put Bobby Reed there. Um, and what what was hard to beat right. um, in those all those games against the big clubs... I think we had quite a settled eleven until Solomon come along, and and um, gave us a, a problem, you know, with a question um, for who should start because right. obviously he did fantastic, but he was injured for the first half of the year, um, so we had a very settled eleven, and I think we just have to go back to that and then let Solomon do his magic um, for the last twenty minutes or so. Um, well, I think the other thing to bear in mind is it could end up going to extra time. Yeah. And we at least need to have something on the bench, which we haven't had in the last couple of games. I just think, so I, I feel that's a good call to having Solomon back on the bench for this. I think we know so, uh, William tires, um, given his age, but I think he has more of an impact from the start, and Solomon has more of an impact than William off the bench. So that's the way around it's got to be. Um, and I mean, this could be a game for your mate. You know, Dan James. I, I think if the game gets a bit stretched and Man United don't want penalties and they're proper going for it, who better to have on the counter attack with that speed? You know, against his old club, it could be a, a romantic story. Scored against them at home, didn't he, when he came off the bench? Exactly. Yeah, and and I and I reckon if it gets to that stage and we need to bring on fresh legs, I think he will opt for Dan James over Harry Wilson in this situation because it's his old club. And I think some managers, they tend to do that. They, they think players might, a bit more personal, might be more determined, you know. Um, and it could be, you could get your dream scenario, Dan James to, to score the winner. I feel like I'm Jay from the in-betweeners jumping up and down in the car. It's like, he's not my mate, okay? He's not my fucking mate. I don't, <laughs> but I feel like um, another person that could turn up, and I'm, you know, we've had this conversation to death, is obviously uh, Vinicius. Because, I mean, he's got a nice now for scoring games, uh, scoring goals in important games. Obviously, Brentford wasn't a win, and it was, you know, sort of the last second of the, of the 97th minute. But, you know, you got that, you got Chelsea. You know, who knows? He might be a good option to bring on as well. But th- does out of interest we usually have a score prediction and I'm too scared to do it this time but we can if you want but I'd like to ask Danny do, do you see this going to extra time or penalties if you had I'm not to saying we are going to go through because I don't like to template I don't like to template okay. but I think That's right. it is very plausible that this could go to extra time okay alright I, I, I think I feel exactly the same. What about you, Sam? So I was just thinking about Carlos Vinicius and his uh, great FA Cup pedigree, having scored a hat-trick against Marine for Tottenham. Because yeah. uh, he's, oh, yeah. he's similar. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I could see it going to extra time. I could see it going all the way to penalties. And then it's, you know, steady ones, isn't it? As long as we don't do what we did at Leicester in the League Cup all those years back and miss the first three penalties, we'll be, we'll be all right. Yeah, go on in, Sam. Bit of uh, general knowledge, show, show off now. Who were the three takers in that Leicester game? Come on. I can remember two. Oh. I can remember two, uh, but I'll see if you can get three. Coleman missed one, didn't they? Yeah, definitely Coleman. See, see I, uh, I get confused in this because I know Steve Hayward was down to take the fifth penalty and the referee jokingly told him that he wouldn't be needed. Um, 
that's always rankled me so much so that I've forgotten who else missed. I'm pretty certain um, Jeff Forsall missed. Okay. But I can't remember. Maybe Paul Trollop? I was going to say Trollop, um, but I'm not sure. Yeah, like, uh, I, I yeah. don't remember Fulham actually getting in many penalty shootouts. Um, we had a couple against the lower league teams in early rounds in the, in the FA Cup before. Um, think like when Roddy Ager was here, players like that. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't remember any others. I don't really want it to go to penalties. A, a I remember you from back in the day. Remember us, um, Tony Lang. Yeah, we won at Brighton uh, live on Sky on a Thursday night uh, on penalties. Yeah, when Tony Lang scored. Um, yeah, for, for for younger fans, Tony Lang was a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. So that's why we mentioned that. Yeah, no, I, I mean. I don't really want it to go to penalties. I think our record from the penalty spot is not good, but it would be quite like mm. typical of Fulham to actually score all five and and everyone. Well, who would your five penalty takers be? Well, that's interesting. Well, I, I, it would be William, but I don't think he's going to last 120 minutes. Um, that's so true. Yeah, I, maybe that's maybe that's yeah. the reason why he won't start. Maybe I don't know. Um, anyway, go on. It's really, it's really impossible to say because you don't know who's going to finish the game. Uh, maybe that will have a factor on who comes on. <laughs> who's better at penalties, Dan James or Wilson? Um, I think Solomon will take one if he's on the pitch. Uh, I think Pereira will take one. <laughs> he often goes off. It's rare that he makes it to 90 minutes. Yeah, Vinicius or Mitrovic depends who's on the pitch. I've just had a horrible flashback to uh, remember the time Tim Ream yeah, denied Ryan well, Sessegnon a hat trick at Newcastle. Yeah, but I was going to say slammed one wide. I was going to say Tim Ream. That was such a stupid decision from Slavisa. Actually, I always get rattled when yeah, I get that. No, Sorry, no, Danny, yeah, on. it was a shame. But um, I think Tim Ream would take one. He's the captain, and I think he's probably one of the most um, accurate sort of like, executors of the ball. Um, even if he just tries to pass it into the bottom corner. Um, other than that, he's struggling. I think Polina would probably have to take one just because he's got the balls to do it. And then after that, yeah, it's just whatever. Let's let's hope we win it in it anyway, and and it don't need the extra uh, extra time on penalties. You know, none of us have mentioned no, Mitrovic yet. No, no, it's quite uncertain. I think Mitrovic or Vinicius, whoever's on the pitch, has to take one. Striker. Yeah, I think Mitrovic has to take one, yeah. even if he was to have missed a hundred penalties. He still has to take one. Absolutely. If we've got five, it would be absolutely ridiculous for a, for the main striker to not take one. But yeah, let's not. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about penalties. We, no, and I don't think we should I do know, a score I, prediction either. Not. I will add to that though. No. I would like. To, no, definitely not. I would like to add though. I really want to see Bernd Leno score a penalty at some point. If it was in the shootout, that'd be amazing. Just because he's been so good in every game and he's been performing even in, against Arsenal. Some of his let's just have it in normal um, time. Just we get an 88 minute penalty. Let him yeah. take it. That'd be nice. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Right. So now we move on to the other section, which is any other news. Now, Sam, we've got. Khans are in town. Well, Shahid Khan is certainly, and he was seen at the Spurs game, which is probably NFL related, as producer Don reassures us. But there seems to be a bit of contract gossip at the moment, from today anyway, from the Sun, and now the Sun is the Sun. But Marco Silva to Spurs potentially. Uh, he's a name on one of their many lists, and um, I don't know. This is kind of 
making me feel that Marco really needs a contract extension soon and potentially Shahid's visit was maybe something to do with that. I don't know. Well, I hope so. Um, I think that that would all sort of put our minds at rest. Uh, I don't really buy into this idea of Tottenham uh, being after him. Um, I mean, for a start, Antonio Conte hasn't even left that job yet. Highly likely will in the summer, but at that point we may have dropped into the bottom half. People won't be talking about us as fondly. So... Who knows? I, I I can't see it. The last time sort of Tottenham took a punt from a sort of club of a similar level with Nuno, it really didn't work out. And sure. I think a lot of uh, Tottenham fans will maybe point to sort of Marco's time at Everton uh, and be discouraged by that. Um, obviously, I'm just looking for for reasons to be optimistic in him staying. Um, but yeah. hopefully, yeah, hopefully the reason that uh, that Shahid was in town was to, to talk to him and tie him down. And I suspect that's probably why um, he only made a couple of substitutions to point out uh, some of the um, support financially he needs from the owner. Well, that's interesting you say that as well, because I thought the two goalkeepers on the bench and, and the previous game before at Brentford was maybe a little bit of a hint towards that. Like, I need, you know, I need some guns here in the summer. And, you know, the Polinia suitor rumour circle isn't going away anytime soon I mean Man United and Liverpool obviously won him it's going to be a whole you know a whole fucking army of clubs apparently after him uh, Danny if you had to sell Polini and obviously we don't want to because he's worth everything to us at the moment but what name your price what would you what would you want for him oh he's priceless I think well yeah, um, he is priceless. But I mean, if you're looking at Declan Rice, who everyone says is the best thing since sliced bread, and he's English and all this kind of thing, but he doesn't do half the job as well as what Polina does. And I know Polina's a bit older, but if if people are quoting 120 million for Declan Rice from fucking West Ham, then I think from fucking Fulham that we could at least charge 80 million plus for Polina if we were to lose him. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I think I need to know what's going to happen to that money before I know what. <laughs> what I'd be willing yeah. to sell him for. Uh, get Soldado and Lamella that do the Spurs and like the, the Gareth Bale money. I, I, I love Fellini. I think he's. Um, I don't think he's exaggerating to say in my lifetime he's the best Fulham player I've ever seen. Um, I think he's that yeah. good. That. Um, but I think every player does have a price, and given the way some clubs have gone. Uh, on a downward spiral and, and their finances have gone out of control and, and some clubs you know don't exist anymore for that reason I think it would be irresponsible not to listen if there was a ridiculous offer on the table um, it is yeah. only one player as mu- much as we love him and he is important to the team um, I think if it gets to a point where like the Gareth Bale kind of offers when, when he was at Spurs he, they was in a similar position and eventually every player has a price If I would say 80 million plus you'd be mental not to take it absolutely mental but 40 is what I saw um, allegedly that we'd put a price tag on him there's no that. way it's just no I mean that's that's one leg you know yeah. got to, if you want to get the whole player You've got to give us, um, you've got to give us shoe, double right? that, in my opinion. But I don't understand why the media always seem to play down kind of the prices when it when it comes to our players. It seems to be this just a lack of acknowledgement that that 
transfer fees have sort of shot up over the last 10 years. Why, why you know, you obviously cited Declan Rice as an example, but why Moses Casado? Um, why are Brighton rejecting 70 million? But then we've got the press quoting 40 million for Paulinho. Yeah, you're quite right. Well, especially when no he's sense. got so long left on his contract. Um, I mean, t- to be honest, unless there's something stipulated in his contract where we have to accept fees of that range, then I think if we were to lose him for anything around that anything below sort of the figures that you and Danny have been talking I think it would be a real it would probably be one of the biggest areas of judgment that the Carls have made in their time at the club and there's, there's been a fair few yeah it feels like we're due go on Danny no, no, we, were, we did a poll earlier and, and, and on Facebook especially I think it was t- taken the wrong way by some um, that we was trying to say we we should sell players because we've not been as good recently that's not what it it was designed to do. It, it was basically celebrating the fact that we have assets now. We have three or four players that are worth a lot of money. And I don't think it's a negative to talk about that. Um, how are we supposed to evolve as a team if we don't sell players when they're at their, their highest value and then reinvest it and, and grow? Um, I don't think it's realistic to just say, well, the Khans are multi-billionaires. Let, let's have an open checkbook. Financial fair play still comes into the equation, um, mm. and it it will just it just makes sense. I think you know whether we like it or not, someone will probably have to be sold to give us a bigger budget. Because when you look at that bench, it is wafer thin at the moment, and we will need to sign probably seven or eight good players in order to sustain the success we've had this season and be a top half team. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, it wasn't, if anyone took it the wrong way, then apologies, but it wasn't meant for that reason. It was more a case of if we have to sell someone who is the most logical to sell. I think Anthony Robinson probably is that player because mm. Polina is too important to the team. And I think it would be very, very hard to replace. Um, Robinson's been fantastic but if he's worth 30 odd million then I think that would be too much money to turn down um, well that's the thing that's the other bit of news so you've got um, today in the Athletic apparently we've been in talks with um, Alejandro Grimaldo who's a left back from Benfica and judging by his stats I'm not going to pretend I watch the Portuguese league or Benfica at the moment but judging by his stats he is certainly um, as good or pretty much I'm going to be honest an upgrade on what Robinson does in terms of well, off the back of that report um, I uh, I messaged my friend Henrique who's a season ticket holder at Sporting oh, yeah. and he was the one who he told me all about Paulinho before we signed him and uh, I, I thought he was exaggerating at the time but um, he, he's proved to have been everything but more anyway I asked him about uh, Grimaldo who's obviously a Benfica player so naturally he despises him but he came back and said putting aside my hate he's good Amazing free kick taker, excellent at crossing. I'd like you to take him away from Benfica. Well, there you go. So Let's do that for him. Pretty encouraging. Well, that would be good. I, and I, he's I'm he's just... out of contract, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, I think I think Robertson is the likeliest of the ones to go. I think um, Polina will probably stay one more season unless we get a mammoth, ridiculous sort of offer. I can't see Liverpool with FSG likely staying at the moment. Them to get Jude Bellingham and Polina. I can't see Polina taking over Casemiro's role just yet. Um, I can't see. Yeah, I just can't see. It. I think Polina will give us one more season, and I think that would be 
the right thing to do as well. But then again, if a huge offer comes in, I, I, do, I know it sounds gross, but I really actually would just like us to make some money off a player. I know I shouldn't care about the business side of it, but our, the biggest transfer we've ever made was from Ryan Session, which was 25 to 30 million pounds. And I'm, I'm looking forward to one day for us to be able to do all these big signings like like the Brightons do now and just actually look like we are sustainable like the Cairns wanted. Um, but yeah, I don't really think there's anything else. Danny, is there is there anything else that you want to touch on from any other news, mate? We didn't mention it um, at the beginning of the show for the Arsenal game, but it might have been a, a poor performance, but it was a, a class act before the game from Tim Ream, uh, wearing ear defenders alongside the mascot. I can speak from personal experience. My daughter um, is autistic, and she saw... Uh, so I'm getting emotional. She um, come home and she said, did you see Tim Ream wearing the ear defenders? And, you know, that to me is really powerful because it inspires her to just be comfortable being herself um, and not feeling like she has to sort of like fit in and please other people. So that to me was a really powerful um, statement from Tim Ream. And he's a wonderful player, but an even better person. I'm really proud that my captain did that. So, Tim or anyone if listening that can speak to him, thank you. Tell him I said thank you. Yeah, here, here. That was, a, I mean, a lovely, a lovely gesture from Reem. We're really lucky to have him. And um, I just, yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> I love him to bits. He was an absolute legend for us. What a lovely way to end the show. All right. Well, look, um, th- look. thank you very much for speaking to me, guys. It's nice to have both of you with me. Again, after Brentford, we sort of talked about what we thought was going to happen uh, in this ge- in the Arsenal game. It's happened. We're talking about it again. And now we... Hope- could we come on together for a win next time? Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? We could, we, could talk about, we could talk about our progression into the semi-finals of the FA Cup. My God, I'm actually getting a bit sweaty thinking about it. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> thank you very much guys really good to see you really good to see you and thank you to producer Dunn for editing for us as always yeah so Danny Sam lots of love to you and we'll be back we'll be back with a reaction to Manchester United and a preview of all the week's dealings and our next Premier League fixture which I believe is Bournemouth on the 1st of April so stay safe thank you very much for listening to us if you like what you hear please tell your friends about us we really appreciate out of all yeah, the, the many Fulham social pla- uh, pod platforms at the moment that you still listen to to us. Thank you very much. Fulham.